Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Good morning. Greetings to our streaming family. Can we put our hands together and welcome our lambs today? We welcome you today. And I just wanted to, before we formally begin today, I just want to acknowledge the the shock and the trauma that all of us have been experiencing watching what is going on in our world. And I want us just to join our hearts and hands together right now before we do anything else. Heavenly Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Israel. We pray for all of your precious lambs, God, that are engaged in battle, O Lord. We pray that the protection of the Holy Spirit and of the angels of God themselves would begin to manifest. We pray, Lord, that you would bring peace to all hearts and to all lives and bring guard and guarding and protection to all lives and hearts involved in all conflicts right now, imminent in our time. And Lord, we ask even now as we open your word today that you would give us a box top to another puzzle, that we would begin to make... Uh, sense out of how you do what you do in our time. And we trust you with all of our heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Beloved, today uh, I just have to open the lid of my heart here and just share a message entitled, The Famine You've Been Waiting For Your Entire Life. Have you ever just known you've been waiting for something, waiting for someone? That there's just something you knew was going to happen to you or there was uh, something that was going to occur. Uh, Maybe you've had a sense of promise over your life. Well, I believe with all my heart that you are coming into a season where famine is quickly approaching you. And this is going to be a positive word. Imagine if you were targeted by God himself. Targeted in a way that he could not only find you, but you've never been off his radar screen. He's always known where you are. But all your life, you've become who you are. You've been growing. You've been transformed into, through your life experiences. You're, you're actually, it's, it's as though a man is about to meet his moment. It's as though a woman of God is, has grown all of her life, and yet every day you've moved a step forward. There is yet coming to meet you and to converge with you. A moment of famine, a divine appointment, a suddenly so amazing 
that it will reveal the fulfillment of all the hopes and dreams you've ever had. You know the difference between God having a promise and us understanding anything about it is that he not only knows what he's promising, but he knows how the performance of the promise is going to work out. Now, we don't know much of anything. We don't usually even understand the promises he's articulated to us, let alone having the capacity to, to, to be able to be smart enough, brainy enough, sensitive enough to put all the pieces together. But the good news today is we're his little lambs. That's all we have to be. We're his children. That's all we have to be. He knows everything. He does all the heavy lifting. But today I want to take you back to a text that we've spoken of. It's been a few years, but Psalm 105, verses 16 through 22. I want to talk about how God brings together the impossible circumstances of your life. Probably everyone under the sound of my voice has experienced some kind of prophetic word over your life at one point or another. Some sense of prophetic uh, unction or hope. And yet, sometimes you scratch your head. And I remember I received some very important prophetic words when I was a teenager. And I started thinking, what about those words I received when I was much younger? Well, beloved, when a word ever comes from the Lord, you know it's from him because it will always come to pass. Everything God says will come to pass. Now, he doesn't, he doesn't always tell you when and how, but he is able to be trusted. And, you know, there's a recounting in Psalm 105, 16 through 22. And it says, he called down famine on the land and destroyed all their supplies of food. And he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons till what he foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord proved him true. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the peoples set him free. He made him master of his household, ruler over all he possessed, to instruct his princes as he pleased and to teach his elders wisdom. May God bless the reading of his word. Listen to Psalms 75, 6, and 7. No one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt themselves. It is God who judges. He brings one down. He exalts another. May God bless the reading of his holy word. The Lord exalts one, and the Lord puts down another. But there are some principles that we can draw from Scripture, four principles that involve strange ways that God brings his promises to their performance. Now, we only have to hear his promise and trust in his promise. And he does all the heavy lifting. But I, it was just brought to my mind again the last two days. Uh, what I'm about to say is four of the most significant sermon points I think I've ever preached in my life. I've given this message many times in this church throughout my life. But I feel it is so apropos right now 
what I'm about to say. Psalm 105 is talking about Joseph. And if you read Genesis chapters 37 to 51, you'll see the whole story of Joseph. If you want to go home and get your little kid's Bible when you get home, homework, read chapters 37 to 51, and you can read the entire story, the nursery story of Joseph. But that story is retold to retell God's faithfulness. But I want you to notice in Psalm 105, there's a different angle that we get. We're looking at the box top. We're looking 30,000 feet down from the airplane. And what do we find? Well, we find four principles. The first is God sends the supply before the demand. Notice it says that God sent Joseph before his brethren to Egypt. Now, um, God is very interesting. He knows all the pieces of the puzzle. He has every box top in one big fat now in his mind. We only know sequentially. We only know bits and pieces of information. But he sees everything in one big fat now. Now, if you try to figure that out, your rubber band will snap in your brain. But it's true. It's like the Macy's parade. Remember, we're on the street level and we're seeing each float come around the corner. But God's in the helicopter. He sees everything in one big fat now. So there's an advantage to being God. I know and God knows, but I know in a finite, limited way. He knows in an unlimited way. And so... He sees not only the box top, but he knows every single piece. And then he sovereignly works all of those pieces together. I'm, I'm starting to get an eccentric headache, number three. The first thing he does is he sends the supply before the demand. No one in Egypt had any interest at all in a 17-year-old Jewish shepherd. In fact, the Egyptians hated shepherds, especially shepherds that sacrificed to their god the Egyptian animals that they thought were gods. Now, do you remember when we start seeing the dealings of God with the children of Israel and the children of Abraham in Egypt? He, he segregates them over in their own place to live. It's called Goshen. And he moves them way out of the main thoroughfares because the Egyptians hate shepherds. And they really don't like people killing what they call their gods. And so God had to sort of put them in a nook and a cranny way over in the corner to sort of, you know, I'll just keep my kids out of the way so they won't trip you up much. And so here, God has to send a 17-year-old little boy. This boy doesn't know what's going on, nor do you. You're just as clueless of your life as he was. Everything in his life seemed to be going fine. He's daddy's favorite son. He's wearing a coat of many colors. His brothers hate him. They're jealous. They're envious, looking for any excuse to get wring this kid's neck. And God gave him a few dreams, and he shared his dreams with the wrong boys, and now he's in a lot of trouble. So they grab him, and they strip him of that coat of many colors, and they put goat blood on it, and they send it back to Jacob and say, oh, your favorite boy is dead. Oh, 
How sad. As Robbie would have said, how sad for you. <laughs> Joseph is minding his own business. And he is ripped out of his life in a, a series of horrible situations that there doesn't seem to be any rhyme nor reason for them. Have you ever had that in your life? You, hindsight is always 20-20 vision. But beloved, when we're living life forward as we always live it, we have to trust God every second of the day. When we turn left, right, there's no telling what's going to happen. And even when something does happen, we don't have the schema. We don't have the mindset. We don't have God's infinite perspective from which to say, oh, that's all, it's all right. It's all right. Joseph's 17. Yeah, he's been stripped naked. He's in a pit now. He's going to be fine. He's going to be ruling the world, and he's going to be a type of the Messiah, and it's just going to be just like my son Jesus, and don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Well, I, I'm glad when somebody looks at you, and they always tell you, oh, you'll be fine, I'm sure. Pat answers are, are no comfort. But God always sends the supply before the demand. There is no reason. Now, first of all, he not only sends the supply before the demand, Joseph did not think there was any reason for a little Jewish shepherd boy to be ripped out of his home and his family, sold into slavery, and given into Egypt. Because the Bible makes one thing very clear, good boys and girls never go to Egypt. First thing God says in the word is, don't go to Egypt. But if you've noticed, God is not the Bible. The Bible is a cause of which he is the, he's the cause. It's an effect of which he's the cause. God is not his word. He's bigger than his word. So there are times when he will not give exceptions, but they're called exemptions. All right? Now, have you ever noticed that the law of gravity, you're in that 747 and you're just sitting there on the ground and I'd never figure out how this is going to happen. But you know, because the law, if you, because you take higher laws, the law of lift and the law of thrust, and you have an exemption from the law of gravity. You have different laws that are higher that supersede it. And if you think it's gone anywhere, we'll just shut those engines off and you'll find out law of gravity hasn't gone anywhere. Why, well, we have an exception. No, you have an exemption for the moment. Until those engines are turned off, then everything is right. Everything's just the way it needs to be. But you see, beloved, God often gives exemptions or exceptions. He's God. He can do what he wants. So as a rule, don't go to Egypt. As a rule, Egypt is the type of the world, and Satan is the type of Pharaoh, and we don't want to mess with the world. But God, in this particular instance, gave an exemption to this little Jewish boy, and boy, is he anointed. There's nothing wrong with him. That's not why he was ripped away from his family. And by the way, he wouldn't see him for 21, 22 years. Beloved, there's so much that doesn't make sense when we're living it forward. But you trust him. When you can't trace him, trust him. He is worthy of your trust. God sends the supply before the demand. There is currently no need 
for a 17-year-old Joseph. So God just says, we'll put a pin there on the calendar, okay? I want you to take him, put him in the pit, strip him of his clothes, and I want you to send him there. And he winds up sold into slavery, and he is taken there, and he is thrown into prison. Now, this kid has not done anything wrong. He's done no crime to where he would have to do the time. But the Bible says he didn't get bitter, he got better, and he trusted the Lord. And you know, you can't keep a good man down. Whenever Joseph was thrown in the pit, he was raised up. He's placed in a prison, and he is so excellent, and he has the favor of God to such a weighty degree that he winds up running wherever it is they throw him. Now, he doesn't know what's going on, but he chooses to trust the Lord. He goes, you know, I'm just going to do the next right thing, I guess, the rest of my life. I could complain, but who's going to listen? So I'm going to make the most of my time. And so he says, I'm in a prison, so uh, let me be of some help. Let me be of some use. And he begins to bring to bear all of his talents and his gifts and his abilities. And, you know, when you don't know what's going on and you don't know what's happening, it's a good thing that you just use the gifts and talents and abilities that you have right now at hand and bring excellence to wherever you are. It's all you can do. He couldn't go ice skating. He couldn't go to the mall. He couldn't. And so he brought order to where his little part of the world was. So God, God is at work. He's at work in a catastrophic action of redemption. But first, he sends the supply before the demand. Before anyone's ever going to know they need a guy named Joe. God's got him right where he needs to be. And you go, well, I don't understand it right now. Well, you don't. It's like a car and a conveyor belt, you know. You, you know, you see the pieces and the parts and going, but just, you know, just keep going. Well, I don't understand it right now. Well, it's not. Let, let it finish. Let the conveyor belt parts do their work. And then all of a sudden, the cars, those are the car doors. Oh, I, oh, then they hook the doors on the side of the car. I guess that is a car. Oh, and then you see, it's like a conveyor belt, bit by bit, piece by piece. It's like reading the first page of a book. And you say, well, I just don't understand the book. Keep reading. Keep reading. You just read the foreword. Keep reading. Well, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Keep reading. He sends the supply before the demand. And secondly, what God always does is when he wants something done, he sends a person, not a principle. God is an incarnational God. Do you know what that means? It means he enfleshes his will. He doesn't send an it. He sends a who. He sends love with skin on it. He doesn't send you little nursery rhyme picture books. He sends an incarnational, actual human being made in God's image with unique gifts, talents, abilities, 
giftings, life experience. And so he sends the supply before the demand. Now, they're not going to know who this guy is and what he's there for till he's 30. He's 17 now. Well, the picture doesn't make sense. Remember the old Polaroids? You had to take them and then you'd wait and they'd dry. And is that a thigh? Is that mom? Is that my grandmother? Just wait, wait. Remember you had to just let them dry, let them dry. And you'd go, oh my God. I remember I met Johnny Cash when I was 13 years old in Des Moines, Iowa at the National Motor Inn. And my mother was so nervous, she screwed up all the Polaroid pictures. I'm standing with Johnny Cash and June Cash. We're at the National Motor Inn, and I got about five seconds to meet this man. And Mom's freaking out with that Polaroid. Click, click, click. Not a picture in the bunch. I shouldn't have brought that up right now. <laughs> Wasn't redemptive. It's blurry. Your life is blurry. It's all right. It'll come into focus. You'll see what you need to see as you need to see more. Because if you saw any more right now with the little you know anyway about your life, you would probably start having a panic attack. So he gladly blinds us with mystery sometimes for seasons. So we can just get through the season we're going through right now. Amen. Aren't you glad you don't know everything and you don't see everything all the time? Well, all right. So God sent the supply before the demand. Now, Jacob knows his favorite son is dead. That's what he's been told. He was lied to. He's not going to know for 21 years that his boy is not dead. He's going to grieve authentic grief over Joseph's death for 21 years. Then secondly, God didn't send an it. He sent a who. He always sends a person, not a principle. Remember the Pharisees, the religious leaders? Pharisees always put principles over people. That's why religious people are dangerous. See, Jesus always put people over principles. I mean, the Sabbath is nice, but... If you're a human being made in the image of God and you need food and you're going to die, then he'll let you eat on the Sabbath because man was the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You see the principle? Religious people always put principles over people. And they always seem to be so concerned about nothing, you know, things that are meaningless because they're I-it people. They don't have I-thou relationships subject to subject they have i it relationships with people places and things they're impersonal they use people and love things they don't love people and use things but you see god is incarnational that's why he will send the right person at the right moment that's been through just the broken-hearted experience that will match you wound for wound and bring the balm of healing for you. Because he's going to send the people he sends into your life. He'll send the supply before the demand, but he will always send a who, not an it. He sends a person, not a principle. Aren't you glad that, that he's like that?
Aren't you glad that he sends love with skin on it? He does. That's what you need. It takes one to reach one, whatever you are. It takes one of you to reach one of you. It takes one of you to comfort one of you. There's just something so beautiful about him sending the supply before the demand. So when you're asking him for stuff all the time, he, he mostly smiles at some of your prayers because he's already sent the supply before the demand. He already knew where Joseph was. He's in Egypt. God sent. Can you imagine if the angels could talk about what they know? Look at Jacob's crying all the time. Joseph's not dead. He thinks Joseph's dead. He's not dead. Kid's fine. Sitting pretty. In fact, he's going to be the ruler of Egypt. In fact, he's in Egypt right now. <laughs> With our pea brains, we can't understand anything and cause trouble. What more would we argue about? If we could overhear, if I could just eavesdrop a little of the heaven conversation, no thanks. You'd be rebuking the Lord and casting out demons and doing God knows what. So he mercifully blinds our eyes, sends the supply before the demand, and he always sends a who, not an it. So I want to comfort you. The scheme of your life, the whole puzzle of your life, the whole architecture of your world, whatever it is that is awaiting you, whatever it is that you've been growing into on your end and God has been strategically moving the chess pieces around to match the man with the moment, the woman with the moment. Oh, he's a chess expert. He's wonderful. Remember even Moses, baby Moses, said he hid him in plain sight. Hit him right in the house. Pharaoh's army couldn't find him. Just hit him in the house. Hide you wide open. You just can't see. These are not the droids we're looking for. It's like you can't. You're invisible. Like Brother Andrew used to take the Bibles to Romania, and they'd open up the trunk and couldn't see a thing. They, they would blind the guards. A whole trunk full of Bibles. They'd go, oh, nothing to see here. You move along. They go, that one fell. 30 years they did that. He knows what he's doing. He's a trickster. He's crafty. Don't tell me he's not. But to achieve the greatest good possible in your life, you've had to go through some hard knocks. You've survived many things that many people don't understand how you could have survived. And right now, you may be in the middle of something that you say, Craig, I'm not going to make it out of this. Hold on. Hold on. Beloved, wait. He's already sent the supply before the demand. You can stop praying for that. He's sent a who, not an it. He's sent a person, not a principle. They're well in place. He's heard your prayers. He said, before you were done speaking, I already sent the answer. Peace to you. And after sending the supply before the demand, sending a person, not a principle. The third, he brings 
and surfaces the famine that you've been waiting for all of your life. You say, what? It's right here in Psalm 105. It says, God, the Lord, called down the famine on the land and destroyed all the food supplies. Good news. Your famine is here. Ding, 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 ding. What could that mean? What is Craig talking? Craig has lost his mind. No, beloved. You are just for the first time at your age and this time coming into a convergence point. You're closer than you've ever been. Did you know that God alone knew what it would take to surface Joseph from the belly of the prison? God knew where Joseph was because he sent the supply before the demand. He knew where he was and how he'd be preoccupied with excellence. He was strategically putting chess pieces around his life. And everything was ripe for the picking. The harvest was just right. Only one problem. We needed a famine to happen just then, not just in Egypt. But it had to be a famine that would embrace the Holy Land and Egypt and the then known world. You say, well, how, how could a famine ever be a blessing? When you're just thinking in two-dimensional terms, you don't see much of anything. There's no nuance. When you see things from God's perspective, he is working all things together for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Joseph was growing. Joseph was learning the ways of Egypt. He was using his talents and abilities, his gifts and abilities. He was meeting the right strategic people. The favor of the Lord was preserving him. He had enemies jealous of him and attacking him. But the Lord said, I need a, the linchpin. The linchpin I need is I need a famine. So, and I need the famine to strike the Holy Land, all of Egypt, and I need it to start now. And the famine struck. Because, beloved, God knew that it would take this famine to search out for what it was starving for, Joseph. There's a famine you've been waiting for your entire life. It's a famine for you. And it's the famine that's going to come and get you. And only you is what this famine wants. It's hungry for Vicky. It's hungry for Mike. It's hungry for David. It's hungry for Maudette. It's a, it's a famine that is just the perfect convergence of circumstances, good, bad, indifferent, doesn't matter. You can look at the ugly side of it. You can look at the hellish side of it. You can look at every side of it. But by the end of this message, it's all wrapped up in a bow. This famine is what is going to reveal the need for Joseph. And guess what happens? Pharaoh has a dream. And when Pharaoh has a dream, he wants the dream interpreted now or your head comes off your shoulders. 
So remember the cupbearer that had been uh, in prison for a while and had gotten out? It said he'd been out for two years now and he left Joseph in, in prison. <laughs> Joseph said, hey, please remember me, buddy. Don't forget me. Let's take a selfie. <laughs> remember me when you get back to Pharaoh. It says, yeah, 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 whatever. And he promptly forgot him. Anybody ever forgotten you? I mean, forgot you. The cupbearer hears Pharaoh's got a dream and doesn't know the answer to the interpretation. And the cupbearer goes, oh, my God, I, I feel horrible. He goes, what? Pharaoh goes, what? He goes, remember two years? I don't really want to bring it up, but two years ago we had a little misunderstanding. You thought I or the baker were trying to poison you. Gee, I wish we hadn't had to bring this up again. But remember the baker, you killed him and you let me out. Well, while I was there, there was a guy named Joseph. Beloved, you've already met the people that need to know who you are, that, need, that have your phone number, that have your email, that have your contact information, that at the right time that this famine dream happens, they're going to look for an answer to the problem. And guess who that answer is going to be? You, from the foundation of the world. God had to cough up a famine, the one you've been waiting for your whole life that is going to bring you to prominence. It's going to bring you, no one but you, not 10 people similar to you. Well, it sort of looked like him. No, not 90 prophetic people. One guy, Joseph. And the scripture says, they said, Joseph, get in here now. He had enough time to shave, change his garments, and he walked right into Pharaoh, and his entire destiny changed in one 24-hour period because God sent the supply before the demand. He sent a person, not a principal. And, beloved, the famine that will reveal and highlight who you are the family that needs to come and find you because it wants to devour you. It loves only you. It's like that Jono make it made fish. Only has gastronomical taste for prophets named Jonah. <laughs> God has crafted a unique circumstance that is going to emerge now that is going to open every door for you, everything's right on time. And all you have to do is just say, thank you. Thank you. Remember Jesus said, my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You will find rest for your souls because I'm meek and lowly. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just relax and go, he sent the supply before the demand. It's a person, not a principle. And my famine, I've been waiting for it all my life. I smell it. It's close. It's close. I've been talking to people. They've been going, I don't know what it is, Craig. I'm sensing something. There's a lot that's up. There's a lot of famines that are coming to target God's people, to promote God's people, to answer the prayers of God's people, to make the dreams come true of God's people. And that is the season that we have just walked into. For good or for ill, whichever end of it you're looking at right now, trust me, 
This will turn out to be the season of you entering the famine you've been waiting for your entire life. Lord, we trust you. We commit our heart to you, Jesus. We're your lamb. You're our shepherd. We gave our hearts to you and surrendered our lives to you and surrendered to you. Because you know the way and we don't. But once again, we thank you that you're the shepherd. We're just your little lamb. And we will follow you whithersoever you go. Up, down, in between. We thank you in advance now that our famine is just around the corner. That, 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 that spotlight we've been waiting to fall upon us is just about around the corner. It's just cresting the hill. We rest in you, Lord. We trust in you. Mighty God, let all the promises of a lifetime come to their performance in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, beloved. God bless you. He loves you so much. He's been untying every knot. He's been untangling your woolly coat. He, 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 he can make sense of every knotted, tangled mess. It is well. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Bless the Lord. We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.